Welcome back, everyone, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Pierce, drinks historian. And I'm Abigail Gallo, bartender at Compare La Pen in New Orleans, Louisiana. You are also Abigail Gallo, nominee for Tales of the Cocktail, best bar. Well, you, you should say what you are nominated for. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So second year in a row, we got nominated for Best Hotel Bar in the Nation from the Spirited Awards at Tales of the Cocktail. And this year, I got a top 10 nomination for American Bartender of the Year. Oh, you know what? I have this vision of, you know how they had those American girls dolls? Yeah. That there could be American bartender dolls. And then all the girls who grow up, instead of learning necessarily how to be a princess or... um, I don't know, a fairy or some or wait for somebody to come rescue you. That instead there's a doll with a shaker in her hand, maybe a peel or something, mm. b- bottle of bitters, kind of oh, yeah. stuck, you know, oh, just with Velcro I like into your this. hand. I'm gonna get in touch with the American doll people. I think mm. she should look like me. Yes, I, I think, think she'd so be too. adorable. I was a very cute little girl. Yeah. They can um, base her on me as a little girl, little mixologist Abigail. Right. Because um, when I was growing up, they had those books that were all about women, like Elizabeth Blackwell, Girl Doctor, Louise May Alcott, Girl Writer. They had, though, the American girls, too, are they tell the story of American history and the period that they're in. Mm-hmm. And I think the period that baby... American girl bartender Abigail should be is definitely the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, have her wearing like bell bottoms and have long hair, but being like, yeah, man, Harvey Wallbanger's not for me. I'm going to make a Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> when you pull a string, that's what she says out of her back. And then eventually, over time, her tattoos emerge, <laughs> telling you can make a mint. Um, so, <laughs> today. Uh, we're here to talk about the Tom Collins, and the reason we're going to talk about the Tom Collins is because it got mentioned in the last podcast in the Margarita, and also because I went to a bar, a, a new place that's opened up here in New Orleans called The Long Way, and they have a bartender whose name is Colin, and I thought it would be funny if there was a Collins Collins, and I don't know what that would be, and he couldn't think of anything off the top of his head. You know I had a whole menu of Tom Collins cocktails at Sobu, including the Bootsy Collins, the John Collins, the Terry Collins, (laughs) and my favorite, the Phil Collins. Wow. I can't wait to hear about them. Yeah. Um, okay, and we're putting a pin. or Put a pin in that. Yeah, because we're coming back to all the, all the Collins. Yes. But before we get to all the ways that you can drink it, we should talk about this name because it's the first drink that we're talking about that, well, it's in somebody's name. Mm-hmm. Although, well, they thought the margarita, a lot of people thought the margarita, but it was, uh, it was the flower, the daisy, so we got that clear. So the Tom Collins is actually named after a person whose name is not Tom Collins. <laughs> His name was actually John Collins, and he uh, worked at a bar in London. Uh, he was born in the 1770s, and he ended up working at this bar that, that stayed open well into the, into the early 20th century, and the bar was called Limmer's. 
And uh, some of his regulars wrote a little uh, verse about him. My name is John Collins, head waiter at Limmer's, the corner of Conduit Street, Hanover Square. My chief occupation is filling of brimmers to solace young gentlemen laden with care. And, oh. and Bremer's, uh, uh, that's glasses. So he fills a, gla- a glass with stuff. And so we can just, uh, we can maybe we can sub. My name is Abigail, bartender at Compare, the corner of Poitras, Chapa, Tula Street. My chief op- occupation is filling, mm, you have to rhyme it with Compare. Filling some, oh, I have to rhyme it with compare. Because it's uh, bartender at compare. Compare. Chief occupation is filling. Glasses with care. Uh, Filling up glassware. Oh, filling up glassware. Filling up glassware to solace the folks, uh, whoever I meet. (laughs) There you go. I'm going to splice all that together so it sounds like. Brilliant. Oh, my God. I, thought, I always wanted someone to write a poem about me. Thank also, because the original is young gentlemen, but you make drinks for everybody. I do. Whoever you meet. I do. Women are allowed in my bar. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the 19th, 21st century. Yeah. I was going to say 19th Amendment, although all we got was the vote and not the right to drink wherever we want. So he was super, this guy, uh, John Collin, was very famous for his gin punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was not uh, what is now Tom Collins, but just hang on there. Uh, so Jim Punch, which had gin, lemon juice, um, water, and a a, a, a a kind of sugar syrup called capillaire. And so he's he's super famous and for this drink. Uh, he dies. His assistant takes over. But this um, this drink that he's kind of coined. The John Collins remains, or rather, his name is John Collin, but even in his lifetime, he was often called John Collins. And so this uh, drink of, of gin and lemon juice and sugar becomes popular, and this evolves into the 1870s, and it gets mentioned, but it's now changed, and it isn't just a gin punch uh, because now there's the addition of soda water, which is not something that you've historically seen in punch because there wasn't any soda water. Uh, well, there was in the 18th century, but not like handy. And then this drink that John Collins surfaces in New York, so it crosses the Atlantic, so now it's over here. Jerry Thomas, who's we've mentioned before, is a very famous bartender and wrote this bartending guide, uh, publishes the drink, and he lists it, the John Collins as a, this gin, lemon, sugar drink. And he also lists the Tom Collins. And it's because the John Collins is made with one kind of gin, which was called Dutch Geneva, or a domestic American imitation. And the other kind of the Tom Collins is made with old Tom gin. And I have to give a little uh, thanks to David Wondrich, who did all this research in what I'm sure are very dusty libraries. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He does the work. Yes. So, um, the and the other thing that is going around at this time is a joke about a man named Tom Collins. And the joke is this. All right, so we're going to act it out. Hey, Abigail. Oh, we're in a bar. But, I mean, we usually are, so it's my <laughs> default. Uh, hey, Abigail, you know... 
there's this guy, Tom Collins, in here, and he was in here earlier, and he was talking shit about you. What are you talking about? Yeah, Tom Collins. I can't believe all the stuff he said about you. Where is this guy? You, I gotta find him. You just missed him. He's gone off to Latitude 29. Well, that's where I'm going to find this guy, John Collins. So then Abigail scampers over to Latitude 29. But bartenders were in on the joke. So she arrives at Latitude 29. Hey, where is this Tom Collins fellow who's talking garbage about me? Oh, Abigail. I'm, I'm being Jeff Barry. That's the owner of this. <laughs> oh, Abigail. Yeah, I couldn't believe all the terrible stuff he said about you. But, um, you know, you just missed him, and now he's over at, I think he said something about going to French 75. That's where I'm going. Yeah, and then it goes on and on. And if there was if there was Twitter then, this joke would have died, like, instantly. <laughs> but it didn't die. In fact, it so didn't die that there was a song published in 1874 called Tom Collins, A Humorous Song. Uh, and I love when songs in the 19th century just tell you exactly how you're going to react this to their song. You're going to laugh. It's it is humorous. Song. It's funny. And so God bless the librarians uh, at the Library of Congress who have digitized all of these um, artifacts from the past. And we are now going to share with you. Uh, we, we had to record this, by the way. There, this is not on the YouTubes or anywhere else that was uh, findable. So um, I've gotten my friend to record it and going to sing and uh, share the song with you. Because why say, why just say the words when you could hear it all sung? Could this be the first time people are listening to this in the 21st century? The uh, first recording of it? um, Okay, probably not. I mean, there's probably somewhere, somebody out there who has recorded it. But they didn't maybe put it in a podcast. Not that I know of. Oh. So, I don't know. All right, you guys. And it's totally in the public domain, too. So, get your ears ready for a treat. Here we go, Tom Collins. Tom Collins wants to see you. He says you are a beat. Tom Collins, don't you know him? Tis you he wants to meet. Was in here just a moment since he's down on you, that's sure. He just went round the corner into that other store. Tom Collins wants to see you. He says you are a beat. Tom Collins, you must know him. Tis you he wants to meet. Tom Collins, I don't know him, but I like to see the man that talks so much about me I'll mash him and I can I would not stand such nonsense you'll find him where I say so out goes Bill to catch him all eager for the fray and then that's where the laugh comes in someone has had his joke all done to cause excitement some honest friend provoke Tom Collins is a singler man He's after everyone If all reports are true of him He must be a big gun Full many now have heard of him And tried to find him out But who he is and what he is There still remains a doubt But I conclude tis done for sport As boys must have some fun The myth that's going round about Tom Co- 
Collins ain't no one. Tom Collins wants to see you. He says you are a beat. Tom Collins, you must know him. It's you he wants to meet. Okay, so we couldn't make any of that up. And uh, we definitely didn't write any of those words. Um, and I hope that you, uh, I hope you laughed because you were supposed to because it's a humorous song. It's very humorous. <laughs> so you remember when uh, we were talking about the, the difference between a John Collins and a Tom Collins is the gin. And, um, and, and so, uh, Abigail, why don't you tell us about uh, the, the gins? Sure. Uh, Briefly, Geneva uh, is the original kind of base spirit uh, in that John Collins. Geneva is a Dutch style of gin. Uh, It's where we get that word Dutch courage from. The uh, British were hiring, uh, not missionaries. Mercenaries. Thank you. (laughs) British were hiring mercenaries to fight a lot of their battles and noticed that these uh, Dutch soldiers would take shots of this liquid before they went into battle and it made them so fierce and strong and they called it Dutch Courage. It was Geneva they were drinking. Geneva um, moved over across the channel to England and uh, gin of course became a very popular drink but gin is not just one thing. Gin is a lot of different flavors. Uh, What becomes gin has a lot of different styles. There's a lot of things that go into it. First of all, it has to have um, juniper in it. That's where we get the uh, the word gin is from the juniper in it. But there is a lot of other things that can go in there as well. Your base spirit could be malted barley wine, could be um, a neutral grain spirit. It uh, your other ingredients. Would, would could you be- actually explain what? Um, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but would you explain? <clears throat> what neutral grain spirit is because this is a term that gets used a, a lot I think and short short story yeah neutral grain spirit is vodka neutral grain spirit is is you have taken some sort of grain and you have distilled it to the point where it is neutral of flavor it has no more flavor so it doesn't matter and it says neutral grain we just say grain because it could be wheat could be rye could be corn it's whatever it could be a combination of all those things could be everything just kind of tossed into the mix, a whole bunch of leftover stuff. And it's just still to the point where the flavor, odor is neutral. Hence, it's a neutral grain spirit. Okay. So it could be malted barley spirit or neutral grain spirit. Or neutral grain spirit. Okay. It could be um, all sorts of questionable base spirits. Depending on the century that you are drinking it in. Depending on the century that you're drinking it in. Um, It also could have a great deal of other flavoring elements, too. It could have fruit, um, citrus, peels, the actual fruit, the pith. It could have flowers like um, dandelions and and lavender and rosemary. It could have vegetables, artichokes. It could have all sorts of things in it as as a flavoring component, much like how amaros can be so different in flavor so can gins and um you know now we're kind of living in a golden age where there's a whole bunch of different gins with the different flavors and different profiles but the time period we are talking about with the invention of the tom collins we basically have three different styles you have geneva which is the sweeter uh, dutch original style you have uh, london dry style which was becomes very popular in London and England, as it says, and it's very dry and citrusy. And then you have the old Tom style. The old Tom style is like the missing link between Geneva 
and dry. It is a little bit sweeter. It's the Goldilocks of the gins. <laughs> a little bit sweeter, but not as sweet and not as kind of rich mouthfeel, barley winey as Geneva. Okay. And so the John Collins is made with the Geneva, mm-hmm. and the Tom Collins is made with the old Tom. And when it's, if you order it today, just in general bar, if you just say, oh, general, wanna, general I'm bar, Tom Collins. General bar, I've, I've, they're just going to use their London dry style gin. Old Tom, Old Tom really went out of favor. It was very popular, popular enough to be specified in this very particular popular drink. Mm-hmm. But it fell out of favor and not a lot of people make it. It's only in the last, I'd say, 10 to 15 years you have a renaissance of gin and you have people making that Old Tom style again. But it really, it disappeared. I don't know of anyone who continually made that gin, certainly not in America. So if you call it now, it's, you're going to get like London Dry. You're going to get London Dry. That's probably what. I I'd, I'd, I'd say you're you're not going to find old Tom style gin in a lot of bars. Okay. Still to this day, we have three. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly wait four four now. So that's the gin, and if you listen to any of our podcasts previously, you already know that you should try to use fresh juice, fresh squeezed juice. Absolutely. Or um, possibly get a very high quality lemonade, right? If somebody, mm-hmm. if you can buy one, I like Newman's Own. Okay, there you I go. I ain't gonna call I gonna, in a. Hey, I'm gonna turn down a glass of lemonade from Mr. Paul Newman. <laughs> he is especially a tall, if he's a tall drink of lemonade himself. <laughs> if he is serving it, mm-hmm. I like that. Simply, um, you know, there's like simply lemonade, simply mm-hmm. lemonade. Um, those are handy for for those who can't get to the um, the fancy stores. That serve, buy, that serve to, actual lemons? No, that serve, oh. that serve Paul Newman. I didn't know Paul Newman was so fancy. If you're doing it for a party, right? And Okay, so then we got the gin, we got the lemon and sugar, simple. So, and so we're left. I've seen in a lot of recipes mm-hmm. uh, powdered sugar. Oh. They use powdered sugar. That, that, um, they give I, it like a little body? Does that what? It might give it a little body. I think it's also just kind of what they had around. Um, I know... There are still a lot of places like Cuban style daiquiris that use a lot. They use powdered sugar or just regular super fine sugar. So instead of simple, instead of simple, yeah. Okay. Well, it would dissolve. Cause the presumably the powdered sugar would dissolve. Mm-hmm. So that leaves us with the last ingredient, which is soda. Uh, the history of soda is very interesting, mostly because when I was trying to understand it, I couldn't um, because it involves industry and science but I thought that the way that it's first discovered how to make carbonated water is way too interesting to not share so there's an Englishman named Joseph Presley in 1767 and what he does is he places a bowl of water over a fermenting barrel of mash which is how you make beer And carbon dioxide is being given off by the yeast. And it is rising into the air. And it ends up, um, well, in his words, it impregnates the water with fixed air, which is the title of the article that he writes in 1772. And it would have been weakly carbonated, but enough to be able to tell. And then in 1783, 
and you're totally going to know this name. And it's amazing that this guy all the way back then, uh, Johann Jakob Schwepp, Mr. Schwepp, invents a device to create artificially carbonated water. Oh, Schweppes. And he sells his company in 1799, but it is still, told, uh, you know, it's still Schwepp's. In 1813, you have the soda siphon, and that is when you begin to have it be available in locales, in bars, and in what will be, you know, soda shops or soda fountains. Soda fountains... They have this super wholesome, you know, vibe now because all we can think of is the 1950s. No, uh, they're all all those guys were probably bartenders, though. They were actually pharmacists, which is even better because all bartenders can do is give you liquor, but pharmacists can give you narcotics and cocaine <laughs> in your soda and the temperance folks in the 1880s. They are confounded by the fact that first they were sending everybody you know go to go drink soda because that's um healthy and beneficial and not you know don't go to a saloon but then uh, they began to realize that a lot of pharmacists aren't making money on just selling a soda for two cents you make your money selling drugs and so they were really pushing cocaine, and um, there they were other uh, drugs too, like strychnine and morphine. But cocaine was the preferred. Uh, so really, uh, so eventually, and that's why you know we talk about people talk about oh you know Coca Cola used to have cocaine. Well, it wasn't only Coca Cola; all of them did. <laughs> Until uh, the there was, I'm sure there was, I'm, I'm forgetting the name, but that's the, oh, the Pure Food and Drug Act. There it is. 1906. 1906 says, brought a lot of that, to, brought the bitters um, industry to its knees as well. Oh, yeah. That 1906 was a big, that, that Pure Food and Wine Act was a big one. No, what, Pure Food and Drug Act. Pure, Pure food. food. But it's, well, I don't know why I put wine, wine in there. <laughs> I, well, food, food and Wine Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, though, as the temperance movement really kicks in, and the soda uh, fountains kind of get cleaned up, as it were, a lot of the bartenders end up going to work at soda fountains, also illegally, and many soda fountains become speakeasies. Speakeasies, really? Yeah. Well, you already got the stuff, right? And then you yeah. can just, like, hide the liquor, and everybody has a coffee cup. Um, and then, of course, you have, after Prohibition, the emergence of the soda fountain as this place where teenagers go it's kind of wholesome happy days movie stars get discovered there yes and then it, it kind of goes away it's like there's the, still a couple when yeah. i was a kid i remember getting egg creams hmm. at our little pharmacy slash soda fountain in our little town when i was growing up a guy opened a, an ice cream soda shop um, but it didn't it didn't last although i did my part to keep it open. There's a place in Brooklyn that opened called Pharmacy that has that old school. I think that that could be the next trend because bars are always looking for, like, what's the next thing that we can do? Well, I am looking to actually get a soda siphon installed in my bar next week. Yeah, because you were saying that that's, um, that's, something, you, that's something you really miss yeah. from, your old, from your old place. I do. Yeah, back in Brooklyn... At Fort Defiance, um, we managed to put together some sort of system that had uh, 
a purified water system that added carbonation last minute. So we called it the freshest soda water in Brooklyn, which I loved. And it had a nice little handle that I could rock, and I kind of felt like a soda jerk. Abigail's pulling a handle right now. I am. I'm pulling pulling the handle. And um, and maybe it was all those years playing the video game Tapper, where I felt like (laughs) (laughs) like I'm not a real bartender unless I'm pulling on something. Yeah. (laughs) So I did really appreciate that, and that's actually my first introduction to this drink, the Tom Collins. We had a um, Tom Collins, uh, which... When people didn't know what it was or thought it was a fancy cocktail, my boss would just grumble, it's gin and fizzy lemonade. Who doesn't love that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we also had, we had a guest who loved it so much that he would drink them very quickly, and he said, you got to put them in a bigger glass. So we did, and we had a giant 32-ounce glass, and we called it the Sumo Collins. Okay. It's a and, big gulp. And then um, on those really hot New York City summer days, we found um, some cucumber smashed inside made it really good, and we made a cucumber Collins. And those three drinks on our menu just sold like hotcakes. Mm -hmm. And you'd have to mix them and then run down to the end of the bar and splash that fresh soda in and then run them back. So I kind of felt like that little character on Tapper running back and (laughs) forth throughout the bar collecting my tips getting, getting orders. Filling up my drink. So did that inspire you to uh, do all your Collinses at Sobu? Yeah, that was one of the inspirations because I felt like the Tom Collins is a great introductory drink for people who don't think they like classic cocktails, particularly if, if they're not into super boozy cocktails like a Manhattan or a properly made martini or even a daiquiri. You know, this is something that's really bubbly and refreshing and light. And, uh, of course, the vodka Collins becomes very, very popular, I think, in the 70s and 80s with the rise of vodka but there's something about that combination of gin or geneva or old tom with the lemon and the sugar that and the bubbles that is just magic to me and i i hesitate to make it any other way because i think it's really really a a gorgeous drink just on its own so i did little little plays on it like the bootsy collins i garnished with star fruit and uh the phil collins was my favorite the garnish for that was a song I would always sing Phil Collins songs while I made it, and I insisted, tried to make my waiters bring it to the table and drop it with a couple notes from a Phil Collins song that wasn't always successful. But the idea that that drink was actually uh, more like an original um, John Collins because I made it with Geneva. Mm-hmm. And why I renamed it the Phil Collins is that um, Phil Collins has been married so many times that from now on, when he goes out on dates, he goes Dutch. So that was that was the joke. That was the joke. I added a little orange liqueur in there too, and a little fresh thyme as garnish, and mm. because thyme represents courage, and I feel very courageous when I'm belting out against all odds. Oh, I was wondering if it was going to be in the air tonight. Yeah. Well, people often ask me to do the drum solo. <laughs> Can we play a couple of notes from that? <laughs> yeah. Can we just play that? <laughs> Phil Collins. You know, it was a, it was a great drink. I, I mean, it was refreshing. It was light, and it was silly, and it was fun. And that's what I think of when I think of this drink. Uh, and it's probably you know that makes sense because from the very beginning, this drink was about a joke about people running around in circles. This is a great traveling drink, too. This mm. is a great drink that you could take to go in New Orleans or that you could serve at a party. Like, it was based on a punch. So it's super refreshing. It's super easy to batch. And it's very, very likable. But, yeah, like I said, 
course, vodka Collins is possible. But you got it. Gin. I make it with gin. You forgot uh, what's in the Terry Collins. Oh, the ter- so Terry Collins. Terry Collins at the time. I'm a huge Mets fan. Mm-hmm. Terry Collins was the name of our manager at the time. Okay. So I for made those it with, of us that don't follow the Mets. So I made a blue carousel with an orange, um, orange wheel. So oh. it was blue, orange and blue, like the Mets colors. I thought you were going to say that you served it with an orange that you decorated to look like Mr. Met. Oh my God! If only with I a little could. baseball cap. Like, where? Well, maybe, maybe in competition. Yes, I would. Yeah, you there know you go. You're welcome if you win. Uh, yeah, and you know this is um, this is a really approachable, friendly and mm-hmm. drink, and that you uh, kind of sillied it up, and I mean that like in the best ways. And it's so easy to make, and yet there were mixes for a long time. You could still go to the supermarket and see mixes. Tom Collins mix. That's probably powdered lemonade. That's yeah. all it is, yeah. right? Because they say instructions: add gin and soda water. Right. It's powdered lemonade. Right. At that point, just that's like, how easy it is. Get some lemonade. Get some lemonade. Uh, but what I was going to say is that where it originally originated, way, way, way back, was a, a club in London, with like lots of rich men with nothing better to do than like bet on horses and and play pranks on each other and you know and drink too much. Um, so it has a, a long storied history of people who didn't take themselves too seriously. Well, Abigail, we've talked so much about this drink. Uh, I think you need to, even though you say it's easy, you, it should, is easy. you should still uh, it te- is. come down to my bar. Let's go make a Tom Collins at my bar. Okay. All right. So here we are at the bar at Compare Le Pen. We are going to make uh, one of my favorite cocktails. It's so easy. It's so delicious. I call it gin and fizzy lemonade. Y'all can call it the Tom Collins. All right. We start with just some ice and a shaker. Really, this drink is so easy. Don't feel bad about just getting lemonade and adding seltzer water and gin and putting it over ice and sipping it by your pool. But we're in my fancy bar, so we're going to be a little bit more fancy. We're going to use some fresh-squeezed lemon juice. So we're going to use about one ounce. And then we're going to add about three-quarter ounces of simple syrup. You know how to make simple syrup? It's simple, dude. Just one part sugar, one part hot water. Stir it till it's all mixed up. Three quarter ounce of simple syrup, and then we're gonna go nice full two ounces of gin. That's my little gin sound. You could use whatever gin you want in this. I I tend to like a very straightforward London dry gin. I think it goes really nice. It's super super refreshing. Uh, we're gonna shake this all up. Strain that over fresh ice in a nice tall Collins glass. Oh, surprise, surprise. All right. We got to open up a little fresh bottle of seltzer here. Now, ideally, you have like a soda stream or a soda maker. I mean, ideally in my head, that's what I would like. Or if I was like working at a soda shop. I would just squirt some nice, fresh seltzer on there, but freshly popped open seltzer is will have to do. I like to just garnish it with a little orange wheel. Uh, traditionally, it is orange wheel, uh, what we call a flag, which is uh, kind of half of a slice of orange with a cherry in it as well. But honestly, if I'm going to take it to the pool, I might not even mess with the orange. Just bring it out to the pool just like this. All right, I'm going to go drink this Collins with you. Yes, cheers.
Uh, well, you're right. It was easy. E- so easy that I feel like I could go home and make it. And I, I, the only drinks I make at home, I think you know, is uh, three fi- three fingers of brown liquor. <laughs> it's um, maybe there's a nice. It's easy to make. It. It's easy to drink. Yeah, I think Tom Collins is an easy fella. Right <laughs> uh, so Abigail, um, it's now time for our official segment. Uh, segment one is learn how to make the drink. Segment two is um, learn some stuff that may or may not have to do with making a drink. What's your tip of the day? My tip of the day today is I had a very interesting guest. I had a big conference in town, and someone was coming up and ordering a lot of drinks for a lot of people. So many drinks, he had it on his phone. And he asked me a question. He said, is it better for me to give you all of these drinks all at once? And here's my answer to all of you and my answer to him. Yes, absolutely. Give me all of the drinks. Because... When you tell me my entire drink order, there's different ways I may make the drink. There's different ways I'm going to move around the bar to be the most efficient to get all those drinks out to you as quickly as possible. Now, while I was making those drinks, I did check in with him a couple times and be like, yeah, there's soda on top of this, right? Okay, yeah, you wanted tonic with this one? Okay, good. Just double checking. But at the end, he was amazed that I was able to very quickly get all these drinks out to him and remember all of the drinks. First of all, it's, it's my job. There's a lot of memory in my job. So very happy to do it. When bartenders get frustrated, it's when guests sometimes do what we call one at a timing. They order one drink at a time. In the time that it takes us to make one drink, sometimes we can make two or three or four if we know them ahead of time. We can be much more efficient with our movements. So it's our job to have a lot of memory. We memorize prices. We memorize all these drink recipes. Remembering seven drinks is not that hard. Please give us the drink order all at once when you're ready. Then we can make it all at once and get it out to you very quickly and efficiently. And then you get your drinks faster. You do well. And, and, none, and no one is like finished their drink by the time the last person gets their drink. Oh, yes. And then yeah. the wheel starts again. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> or you sit there even worse. You're like, oh, no, I won't drink my drink until everyone gets their drink. And then your drink is watery or cold. No, do your friends a favor or yourself a favor. Yeah. And then all the drinks come out at once. Mm-hmm. So that's a good tip of the day. And that is a nice segue um, into our request. So we love questions. And Abigail goes questions at the bar and sometimes I get questions on my tour but we love very specific questions directed to us that we can answer on this podcast and we would love to hear from you you can send questions uh, you can also send praise oh but, I gotta um, tell you we are so pleased to get some nice feedback from y'all thank you so much for listening and uh we, we're, we're fairly sure our mothers have not written these reviews, but we've gotten some very, very nice uh, reviews on iTunes, and we want to thank you. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for that feedback. That's wonderful. It really feels good. Yes. Um, if, you, uh, if you want to send questions, you should send them to cheers at Drink and Learn. If you want to send praise... Uh, you can you can do it there, but it's better if you send it to iTunes and you rate and review us. And of course, it's even, even better you come on our tours or come to our bar and tip us actual yes. money. That would be great. 
<laughs> we are in a tip-based economy down here. Uh, well, I was also going to say <laughs> that it's even better if you tell your friends and family or yes. tell people however you like to tell people in whatever way you like to communicate with them mm-hmm. uh, about the podcast. So that wraps up another Drink and Learn podcast. We want to give a special shout-out thank you to the old number 77. Thank you, old number 77, for housing us and giving us a nice quiet room. If you're staying in New Orleans, make sure you check out this beautiful hotel. And, of course, to the Nitty Grits podcast, part of the National Food and Beverage Network, um, of which we are delighted to be a part. So hope to hear from you all. And until then, um, cheers. To your health. Before we sign off, we want to give a big thank you to my friend Jim Walpole, who was the very talented piano player accompanying me on the Tom Collins song. And also a thank you to all the librarians of the world, particularly those who work in digital archives and help uh, Abigail and me and other booze nerds find drinking songs from the 19th century and sheet music to boot. So the next time you see a librarian, buy her a drink.